Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. You're listening to Well, Well, Well here on Joy 94.9, presented to you each and every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexually diverse communities. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and joined this week at the Victorian Pride Centre Studios by Jack Cringenen. How are you, Jack? I'm doing all right, Rachel. How are you going? Good, good. Um, we're still, we've more or less finished Melbourne Pride season, I think. We've, we've kind of wrapped a lot of that up, but that doesn't mean that there's still um, events around, certainly happening at the moment. Indeed, we'll be talking about that later in the episode with uh, Bendigo Pride. Um, I believe you're coordinating a forum uh, around LGBTIQ women's health. We are. So we'll just sort of tack on to the um, to the uh, tail end of um, Bendigo Pride and be talking about uh, issues around LGBTIQ women's health in regional and rural areas. And they'll take place uh, in the first week of April. So stay tuned to Thorn Harbour Health social when, media. When there's a date confirmed. When there is an actual date confirmed, <laughs> but it will be in that first week. So I guess basically what we're going to be talking about are there are specific issues that actually mm. face LGBTIQ women in those areas and um, yeah we'll be speaking to um, Claudia Velladum who is our very own program manager at Thorn Harbour Country. That's right we'll be talking to her about her experience of working there uh, the gaps she sees between metro and uh, regional or rural health services and uh, just what life is like uh, for LGBTIQ women uh, in these areas this week on Well Well Well. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. Tonight we are joined by Claudia Velidem, who is the Program Manager at Thorn Harbour Country. So we're talking about the health and well-being of LGBTIQ women in regional and rural areas. But Claudia, first, can you tell us a little bit about what Thorn Harbour Country actually is and your role there? Hi, Rachel. How are you? Uh, and thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, look, Thorn Harbour Country has been around for approximately five and a half years now. Um, the service really is a, a much, you know, a smaller version of what the city um, service offers. So we do programs like um, alcohol and other drug support. Um, we have a youth worker. We do health promotion. We do education. We do capacity building. Um, and we really work with community to get them, um, support them in the community and get them into our services and just talk about uh, general LGBTQI health and well-being. And Claudia, how did you start there? What was your, I guess, previous role or experience that led you to... Um, manage the program out there? 
Uh, well, I've been with Thorn Harbour Health now for just um, under five years now, and my first role with Thorn Harbour was actually the coordinator of the Housing Plus program. So previous to uh, working up in Bendigo and, and for Thorn Harbour Country, I was um, managing the Thorn Harbour Plus program and working with um, those that had mental health issues and issues sustaining tenancies. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of with Thorn Harbour before, before this role. And so, I mean, you're based... It- for Thorn Harbour Country out at Bendigo, um, what was it like moving right. from the, the city to the country? What were some of the, the challenges and, I mean, some of the, you know, the positive surprises that came with that? Oh, the challenges, I think, first first of all, I was used to sleeping in a unit in Fitzroy that was pretty noisy. And then I remember the first night that I actually moved to Dalesford and it was so dark and so quiet that I actually found it really hard to sleep for the first few weeks because there was no noise. Um, and I think after that, I was like, okay, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of people that I know here. I kind of have to immerse myself in the community. I have to kind of get to know what's going on in and around Dalesford. So it really felt like I kind of almost was starting again. But luckily with Dalesford, it's such a, you know, a lovely kind of older queer community that I felt right at home straight away. Um, yeah, and it was, you know, it's a slower vibe, you know, everybody knows you, it's, it's a smaller community, um, you kind of feel like you have closer-knit friends, you know, and all the neighbours say hello, they'll walk past your house and wave. Um, so, yeah, I think probably the adjustment for me was just getting to know people again and getting to know the area, um, and then it kind of on flowed from there. And, I mean, my next question was going to be what are the challenges, you know, in meeting other LGBTIQ women, but it sounds like it was fairly easy. And we know that Dalesford is obviously a very queer-friendly and queer-populated part of Victoria. But how did you actually, you know, meet people? Was, was, was it through groups? Was it going to venues? You know, what, what was it online? What, what was sort of the way in? Um, well, Delford was fairly easy. Um, I usually pivot off attending the queer festivals. So with Chill Out, you know, that one once a year event, um, I kind of, you know, got to know some of the people that ran Chill Out, um, you know, the board and all the members and stuff like that. And there was that onflow from, you know, meeting the members and you met their friends and then you met the business owners. Because, you know, with Delta, there's a lot of the business owners are, are, are queer. Um, and then, you know, it kind of just um, spiralled from there, really. And because I'm based in Bendigo, you know, everybody knows everybody in, in, in the small country community. So you kind of then tend to start to grow your friend base. You start to grow that community base. But, yeah, kind of going from, you know, meeting people that were running the festivals, then going online, seeing what groups were about, you know, turning up to, you know, community events um, at neighbourhood centres, um, other community events such as the art shows that they have and things like that. And you just kind of do a, a lot of networking and a lot of kind of, you know, meeting people that know other people. Um, I guess uh, in terms of healthcare, right, um, what do we know about health issues for um, LGBTIQ women in regional and rural? I mean, Victoria for one, but if there's something that is a little bit more um, specific to Victoria or st- stuff that you've potentially heard from colleagues or um anything like that from elsewhere in regional and rural Australia? Are there, are there specific concerns for, um, you know, uh, people's health in those communities? Uh, yeah, look, I think um, the things that um, are more prevalent for me is the issue of isolation. 
Um, you could have, you know, a lesbian couple um, living in the middle of nowhere um, and the closest, you know, shop is a half an hour drive away. Uh, and they may be the only lesbian women in town. Um, so the issues of isolation and linking them into community, linking them into supports can be sometimes tricky. I also think there is a real lack of um, specialist services that know how to support lesbian women. So I'm finding that, um, you know, LGBTQI, trans women, lesbian women are turning up to clinical services, GPs, hospitals, and having to explain and re-explain their story, um, which obviously makes them really uncomfortable about accessing health support. So, you know, there's that. It kind of then creates this, um, you know, where lesbian women, you know, they're kind of fearful of turning up to clinics. They don't want to have to repeat themselves. They really are contacting me and saying, look, is there anywhere that's queer friendly? And I'm having to do a lot of that research for them and link them in. Um, and I think there is a real lack of education. Um, I'm finding that GPs and clinicians don't really know about women's health issues, lesbian women's or trans women's health issues. So I'm having to educate um, everywhere I go and have those conversations and even conversations about, you know, using pronouns and, and talking about gender diversity. Uh, there still is really um, a little bit of work to, do, to go in those areas. You were talking about that sense of isolation uh, in regional and rural areas for um, LGBTIQ communities. And I guess as far as from a community service or uh, potentially a therapeutic service perspective, right? Like, I'm trying to think of, like, for example, uh, you mentioned that it might be, you know, a half hour drive for some people to just get into town and then to try and connect to community, which might not be particularly visible or even present in some of those communities. Is that like, um, as, as an example, like that financial pressure or um, the different work contexts of living regional, do you find that that is, is sort of part of the equation or that that changes the conversation um, with those communities versus people in, you know, city areas where they're more often then certainly regional areas far better connected. Yeah, look, I, I think it really does. I, I, when I talk to community about trying to link in with a health service that they feel comfortable with, um, I'm finding that I'm having to do a little bit ar around making them feel confident, making them feel empowered. You know, they've had a lot of um, bad experiences with GPs in particular where they've turned up to clinics and they've not really understood um, the fact that their partner's a woman or, they, you know, they don't even really want to bring it up. Um, so I'm having to do a lot more around the conversation of building that trust that there is a GP out there, that there is a hospital that they can um, attend to and, and giving them that perspective that I've been there, I've chatted to them, I've delivered the training and then kind of building that confidence with them. Um, you know, I, I sometimes meet community that um, they're a little bit frustrated about um, not having the services there already that you know they feel they shouldn't have to travel to the city uh they don't want to travel to the city and they just want things locally they they, they want to stay local so there's that frustration and there's that kind of feeling that um you know it, things are not really as they should be in the country and things should be a bit better um so it's about kind of my role really is then about really linking them in um telling them what's out there if they don't already know and building that confidence within them they can attend again and, and feel safe in those spaces 
Uh, I, just, just on that, I, we'll come back and speak a bit more about um, the projects that you run at Thorn Harbour Country, but I just wanted to say from some anecdotal um, evidence that I've experienced in doing work out there, I remember speaking to some older lesbians who actually had stopped going to see any of their health practitioners because of homophobia that they had experienced. And so they're actually, you know, women who had actually, you know, were going through, you know, Different illnesses, but were but was but were, had had such bad experiences due to homophobia from their GPs that they just they just weren't going and seeking help anymore, which is just frightening. Yeah, yeah. Look, I agree, and I think um, even more so for trans women. Um, there's such a lack of understanding of the intersectionality and the diversity within our community. I think, yeah, it's definitely something I hear a lot of, and that's why it's so important for us at Thorn Harbour Country to know the services that are out there, the, the, the safe spaces that they can go to and keep on educating. I mean, I spend a lot of time on the road, you know, popping into GPs, um, popping into hospitals, delivering training, you know, answering questions, cutting ribbons, you know, doing Rainbow Pride Days, just so we keep being visible and we keep having the conversation and we keep improving. Let's let's kind of jump into now some of the programs or projects that Thorn Harbour Country um, runs that target LGBTIQ women. Oh, well, look, we mainly focus on um, health promotion and education. So we are a pretty small team at the moment. You know, we're looking to grow and expand our services, uh, particularly in the therapeutic family violence and AOD space. So there's always ever-changing programs, um, you know, and, and our services ever-changing. But what we currently do is a lot of health promotion. So I spend um, time on the road um, doing health promotion events, community events. Um, you know, I'll pop into GP clinics, hospitals, um, youth centres and, and spaces like that to um, kind of have my stall and, and to educate about health services and, and also our services and link them in. Um, so, yeah, that, that's currently what we offer. Um, there's also obviously the counselling um, that uh, LGBTQI women can access. Uh, we usually have someone face-to-face in the Bendigo uh, office itself. Um, and we also offer some AOD case management for those that are, are struggling with alcohol and other drugs. And how do you actually tap into LGBTIQ women's communities? I mean, we know that um, um, historically gay men's communities have been easier to tap into. Um, just for one, there were, there were historically more venues where you could actually reach that target group. And also uh, gay men do tend to um, utilise online dating apps uh, at, at a higher rate, especially uh, compared to older LGBTIQ women. So how do you actually go about targeting, targeting that group? Uh, that's a really good question. Look, it's it sometimes can be a bit trickier um, because women um, in the country are not um, as much on the scene as uh, you would be with gay men. Uh, so usually the first thing I do is just a lot of word of mouth, um, talking to lesbian women, women out of the community. There's uh, so many groups, uh, you know, particularly Castle Main, Bendigo, um, you know, there's Bush Lemons, um, there's the Rainbow Steps, there's the Walking Group they're the Facebook groups. So it's about me being present across those in a really subtle way um, and um, waiting, obviously, for community to need my support. And it's also really about my face being seen at, um, you know, the events and the groups and just turning up regularly and offering support if needed. Uh, I mean, we've done, you know, when I first started, um, 
you know, we were quite quiet in doing health promotion events and then COVID hit and we kind of lost a lot of that face-to-face. Um, so we started doing online. Um, but it's also about having, you know, really great networks and, and people that will talk about our service and people that have used our service and spreading the word. We're talking about LGBTIQ women, but what about trans women uh, specifically? What are some of the issues they face in regional and rural areas? Oh, yeah, look, um, a a lot of what I've kind of previously touched on, um, for trans women, what I've found is there really is such a, a lack of knowledge around trans intersectionality, trans health issues, uh, language, um, you know, talking about gender identity, talking about pronouns, um, even feeling comfortable. A lot of services, you know, approach me and say, oh, look, we've got a trans young person. Um, we're not really sure how to support them. You know, my first thing to say to them is, look, they're a human. You would support them any way that you would support anybody else. But there's also those intricacies and in their intersectionality that you have to understand. Um, so there's that real lack of confidence that when you know trans people present services are like oh my gosh what what do we do we don't know how to have that conversation um you know so that's that's really the first thing that i try and tackle you know when um you know working with services and and delivering training and, and stuff like that but yeah again a lot a lot of lack of knowledge around health you know a lot of um you know lack of knowledge around having the conversations with them linking them in with the appropriate services if they're transitioning um you know how to talk about you know packers and binding and all that sort of stuff um yes yeah, so it's just continual education and, and, and making sure that i'm out on the road delivering that and then we're talking about you know like dealing with um, health health practitioners there but what about community attitudes how have you seen or what what have you seen in terms of homophobia or transphobia uh, manifest within regional and rural communities and, and and how have you seen that shift over the time that you've been there if it has shifted at all um yeah look i found that the more remote you go the trickier it gets um to have those conversations only because I've found that those communities don't have an exposure. So you may, you know, be out in Bort and there's only one gay male in Bort, so they don't really understand or feel confident with or they're fearful of our community. Um, So, you know, the more remote you go, the more difficult it gets. I found that, you know, if I hop over to Mildura, um, you know, they've got a really large gay community up there, or I'm down in Horsham, again, a really large gay community there, or Bendigo, and they all have their own groups, they all have their own events, and they all have their own festivals. That continual continual visibility is something that then people start to feel comfortable with. They see the gay flag or they'll see a gay event, um, and it's kind of almost like... Um, you know, the communities bring on board those that are, that are not from the community. I've still had, you know, community tell me that they've experienced homophobia, they've experienced, um, you know, uh, violence or, or um, you know, when they've gone out, they really don't feel safe. So, again, that's um, around um, me supporting them to access the services that they need, especially if there's, you know, um, they've kind of had a really ne- negative experience. It's also around, again, doing a lot of advocacy and a lot of conversations with councils, um, you know, with police. I, I, I kind of I tap into police and, and do some training there as well, you know, especially with the GLOWs. Um, but I found uh, my work gets um, a little bit trickier when I'm in the really, really remote communities and 
Um, but it's look, it's something we, we get on the road, we get in the car and we just keep educating really and keep having those conversations and keep making sure that our community is visible. Talking about health promotion, I mean, Bendigo Pride Festival, I, I believe, is currently underway. And I mean, when we have Pride events or indeed the Pride season, that's just, um, I mean, we're on the way out in, in Melbourne City um, at the moment. Uh, and I feel like a lot of our health promotion team is always at those events, but we also have a lot of um, presence at just sort of venues around and um, online events and all the rest of it. How critical is a presence at something like Bendigo Pride Festival um, for those communities? Oh, absolutely critical for um, non-LGBTQI and LGBTQI communities. The amount of times that I've, you know, popped open the table, spread it out with resources and met community that don't know we exist, um, that don't know we have counselling services, family violence services, peer groups, um, you know, they're like, oh, is, is that condom free? You know, they don't, they don't realise that we were around. Um, and I think, you know, they've kind of in the back of the heads, um, maybe have heard of, you know, the Vic AIDS Council, and then they, they put two and two together and realise, oh, Thorn Harbour Health is Vic AIDS. So around that rebranding, we just have to keep having those conversations that that's who we are. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so it, it's, it's really critical. And, and at those festivals, look, a, a large proportion of the people are non-community members. Um, so I'll meet, you know, mothers that have a queer son or families that have just had a daughter come out as lesbian and they just come to me to have the conversations. They're like, how do I support them? You know, what services do they have? They've had a really tough coming out experience. Like, you know, what do you guys do? So we have, we definitely have to keep being at, at all the community events. I go to as many, even if they're small and I expect 10 people, I'll still try and be there. Um, you know, and even the larger ones, like we just have to keep being present and keep um, talking to community, whether that's non-LGBTQI or LGBTQI. What do you think are some of the things that LGBTIQ people in metropolitan areas could learn from LGBTIQ people who live in regional and, and rural areas and how they conduct community? Um, yeah, look, I... That's a great question. I think what metropolitan communities can learn from us in the country is the resilience that country folk have. They're really good at banding together. If there's something that's not there, if there's, there's a service that's lacking, if something, if they found something uncomfortable that they need to speak out about, they band together as a community and they advocate for change. Um, and I found that, you know, Everybody as a community gets together, not just the lesbian women, it's the gay men, it's the trans. We all kind of hold hands and go, right, let's do something about this. So there is that really, um, that, that strength and resilience I've found in the community that, yes, we're small and there may be only 10 of us in the village, but what is it that you and I can do together to empower ourselves and to improve uh, things for community that may be in the future coming, uh, maybe to move through COVID that might be coming to live in Dalton or, or coming to live in Bort or, or wherever. Um, yeah, that there's a lot to learn there about how everybody supports each other and how everybody has each other's backs and, and is they advocate for change so quickly um, and get things done. Where uh, can LGBTIQ women in the country go to get more information about 
um, health issues that relate to them. Obviously, um, Bendigo Pride Festival, Thorn Harbour Country will be, um, you know, around where we can be. But uh, if people are curious to kind of find more, where can they go? Um, look, I would say firstly get on our website, uh, the thornharbourhouse.org website. There's lots and lots of information about, um, you know, what's happening for LGBTQI women in general. Um, a lot of those support services, counselling, family violence, um, AOD stuff. Um, also, I would, particularly um, in the larger towns such as Bendigo, you know, if you don't pop into us, there's also BCHS, which is a fantastic, as Bendigo Community Health Service, is a fantastic health service that is super awesome in terms of being a safe space. They now have a uh, queer doctor. Um, so, you know, um, definitely would advocate to go there. At Dalesford, again, a lot of uh, GP clinics there are very queer friendly. Um, I would link into online groups. If you're new to the area, there's lots of things happening, particularly Casamane, Bendigo, Kyneton, their staff. Um, you know, just get onto Facebook and see what groups are around. And you will find, you know, if you kind of join a local library or um, you start to meet people in your own community, there will be a group somewhere. Um, or there will be, you know, at least a group half, you know, half an hour down the road. So it's about doing a little bit of research and seeing what's about. Um, yeah, and just kind of like getting online, really. But if you're struggling and you don't find anything, give us a call. Um, we kind of really do know what's out there in and amongst a lot of Mali. It's a huge area and there's always groups, socials um, popping up. So give us a call and we can probably give you some information about what's what's out there. Program Manager at Thorn Harbour Country, Claudia Valitem. Thank you so much for joining us on Well, Well, Well. No worries. Thank you. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. That's right. We're still here. Jack and Rachel in the Victorian Pride Centre studios on Well, Well, Well. Um, Look, that's more or less uh, it for this episode. Uh, Indeed, that uh, forum uh, as part of uh, Bendigo Pride that you're organising, Rachel, is going to be coming up. So you... If people want to kind of find out more, keep an eye on the Thorn Harbour social channels, I believe. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, you will um, um, be seeing that uh, promos for that going out going out shortly. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that really stood out for me in speaking to Shireen and Claudia today was just, you know, sometimes we focus on the negatives mm. around what is happening around LGBTIQ health because there are a number of them. There are. But just hearing, you know, the really sort of proactive and positive things that are happening, not just from our own queer organisations, but also from the broader mainstream organisations who really are investing now in our health issues. It's very important um, that we continue to kind of um, support those communities and continue to, I guess, continue to provide the resources so that people are able to do that work well. I mean, especially in regional areas where, you know... the misconception that, oh, you know, queers are only really in the inner city, right? It's like, mm. oh, not, not really. No, flat out no. Um, so it, it's good that we've got um, people like Claudia and Shireen continuing to do that work. Fight the good fight out uh, out in the country. Yeah. And, you know, the other point that I thought was a real take home was when Claudia talked about when, when we asked uh, – what can city queers learn from mm. what's going on in, in, in country LGBTIQ communities? And Claudia said, working together. Yeah. That it's that it's basically the entire acronym coming together, supporting each other. Yep. Uh, something that 
you know, we, we should strive to do more of um, because that's when historically that's where we've seen the biggest change is when we've actually yeah. started working together. So, yeah, hopefully that, um, you know, that point sort of sinks in. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up this episode, I will quickly flag as well. Um, we are taking suggestions uh, for um, A, questions, topics um, that you want to see discussed on well 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 around lgbtiq health uh, you can send us an email uh, well 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 at joy.org.au uh, with any ideas and we are still taking requests for um, stories from people uh, having sex over 60 um, we've gotten a few already um, but i'm keen to i, I believe uh, cal is as well keen to get a, a few more stories so that we can speak a little bit to the breadth of experience um, that's out there so if you are uh, having sex over 60 uh, and you're happy to talk about it let us know well 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 at joy.org.au and um we'll uh we'll you know have a talk about that on air at some point but uh i believe that's it for this week's show rachel thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me and uh we'll catch you next time Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being. Presented by Joy sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.